0: I want to draw your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture and I'm going to endeavor to to not preach lengthy today, Uh, but I do want to bring you something that uh, is is pertinent. You've heard it before, but we need to hear it again and again and again and again. And uh, my wife and I were talking yesterday, and uh, I can't remember the context of, of our conversation, but uh, she made a statement, and, and I responded and, uh, and said, "That's oh, I know the context. We, we were talking about uh, time spent in the Word of God and in prayer. The context was the failure uh, of ministry today. And uh, a lot of that failure is time spent uh, in diligent study to the Word of God, and time spent in prayer uh, that God would help and God would illuminate our minds and and help us to understand. And and uh, and I said preachers are no exception, you know. And that's that's why God told Moses concerning the law. To rehearse it in the people's ears you know you tell them you you tell them again and and you tell them again and you tell them again and you tell them again and and you keep on telling them because the the point I believe of God is you know God being the creator of everything he knows the failures of the human race. He knows if we're not reminded of some things over and over and over again that we tend to forget some things that, uh, that we shouldn't forget. And so uh, being in the time that we're in and um, the, the busyness uh, of schedules uh, and, and all of the interruptions that we allow into our lives to the point that we, uh, we, we don't spend the time with God that we need to spend to overcome in the manner that we need to overcome in this last day. And, and before I read my text, I'm going to tell you what I've, I've started doing. I've, I've started not letting anything interfere in my devotional time with God. Somebody calls on the phone, the phone's just going to ring, and uh, somebody somebody texts. It's going to go unanswered, you know, until I get to the place, whether it's in Bible reading, Bible study, or or prayer, that um, that I feel like, you know, that that um, you know, the Spirit of the Lord. You know, would, would release to do other things. You know, then I'll pick up those other things. But I, I've got to get back to the place that my time spent with God is guarded. Amen. And it's guarded very, very closely. And I've, I've preached about her numerous times, you know, and just maybe it just bears re- repeating just uh, momentarily here. I've told you about, you know, my my old granny. That didn't matter what she was doing. If, if there was the urgency to pray, she dropped everything she was doing, and and she got down before God and prayed. And she prayed until she felt that God would release her. And uh, uh, as people of God, that should have never changed in us. That's right. But but as a whole. It, it has because we get caught up and it's easy it's really easy to get caught up in a myriad of things and and, and I'm not saying that they're unimportant. They're things that we get caught up with that are important things but but we need to understand and and live uh, according to to the fact that our relationship with the Lord, is a most precious thing that we have, Amen, Amen, and uh, and so let's let's guard that. So I'm I'm going to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 26, and I'm going to begin with verse number 36 here, and read down through verse number 40, and um, you know we we've talked about binding together in prayer. Uh, when I was making an appeal to you for uh, the needs of those among us, and I wanna, I, I want to continue uh, with that and and talk to you about the intensity of intercessory prayer, and um, and 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 I'm not going to go really deep into this this morning. I don't have the time, but. Uh, But we've studied about intercessory prayer and what it is, so I'm I'm not going to to go back and rehash. But uh, Matthew records, uh, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to His disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And He took with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? I, I will stop there. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. With, with all that has been taught on prayer in the history of the New Testament church, prayer remains the supreme need of the hour. I'm going to say that again. With all that has been taught on prayer in the history of the New Testament church, Prayer remains the supreme need of the hour. Jesus, uh, I believe it was on two occasions. Once in the beginning of His ministry and then once in the end, walked into the the temple. And He began to overturn the, the changers of money. His table. He began to to release sacrifices that were being sold in the house of God and and braided a whip and and drove them out of the house of the Lord. And with with this statement, he said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And one in one instance that's recorded He added, of all nations, but you have made it a a den of thieves. And so the the idea of the Lord here is is while that there are other things that happen in the house of God or or in the service, as we call it, the, the service of the Lord when we come to worship. While there are other things that happen in, in the house of God. You know we, we worship the Lord. We praise Him. We sing praises unto the Lord. We exalt Him. And we, we hear the word of the Lord taught. And, or preached. And, and all of that is well and good. But, but the Lord's. The idea I believe of the Lord. When He drove them out of the temple with the exclamation that he made was the idea that the house of God is to be known primarily as a house of prayer. We do find this illustrated uh, in the book of Acts. You know, after the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter uh, 3, the Bible said that Peter and John... Went to the synagogue at the hour of prayer. It, it was time to pray. And, and they weren't going to you know hear worship songs. They weren't going to hear the Word of God exhorted. They went there with the express reason of praying. And they, they went to pray. So still in the day that we live... Prayer remains the supreme need of the hour. Here's what I believe. Without prayer, nothing else matters. Amen. I'll say that again. Without prayer, nothing else matters. And so so we can understand through the teaching, the words of Jesus... The examples that we have set before us of the apostles that prayer remains the supreme need of the hour. There has never, nor will there ever be, a revival which has not been preceded by much intercessory prayer. Now we read in history of of great revivals that... Have transpired, uh, through the course of time. And, and we read of the move of God among vast amounts of people, you know, back in the 1700s and the, the 1800s, the early 1900s. And we, we've heard and we've read about the Welsh revival and, and we've heard of, of other great spiritual awakenings. But when you read the history of that, it, was, it, was, it all, always was preceded by great amounts of intercessory prayer on the, uh, through the, the people of God. There was, they understood a need. They recognized that there were people who were lost that needed to be evangelized. There were people that before evangelistic efforts were ever made, that the hearts of people needed to be prepared to receive the Word of the Lord. And that was the reason for great amounts of time that was spent in intercession for for those people. Now, when Jesus in Matthew 4 was uh, entered into the wilderness and was tempted... Of the devil, then he came out of that wilderness experience with power. The Bible says, and he instantly began gathering leaders. But but upon uh, preceding him, beginning to gather leaders out of that experience, we find him spending all night in prayer. Amen. He had an all-night prayer service. How many has been in an all-night prayer service before in the past? Amen. I'm going to tell you, all-night prayer meetings, can that all-night can get very long before it's all said and done if you're trying to pray all night. But there were times... That we do see Jesus spending all night in prayer. Amen. And let me and, and, and let me make this statement before moving on. If we see the Lord spending vast amounts of time in prayer, we know who He was and is. He was God manifested in flesh. He was God that was walking around in a human body. Just like ours. And if if God in flesh understood that to do what He came to do. And to affect the lives that He came to affect. He needed to spend vast amounts of time in prayer. How much more should you and I today understand. Who are not. God manifested in flesh. Even though we have the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost in us, it does not make us little gods or demigods. But I would present to you this morning that if Jesus Christ saw the need to spend vast amounts of time in prayer, How much more should you and I in 2023 understand we must spend more time in prayer than we currently spend? Amen. Amen. One of the greatest failures of the church is time. Somebody say time. Time spent in quality prayer. When I talk about quality prayer... I'm not talking about getting down for two or three minutes and just saying our accolades to the Lord and then we get up and go about our way. I'm talking about time spent in quality prayer. I'm talking about time spent in prayer. No matter what amount of time it is, That you, when you begin to pray, you continue in prayer until you feel a sense of release from the presence of God. Amen. That would allow you to get up and go about your daily affairs. I'm talking about time spent in quality prayer today. Amen. I do believe that the Lord, there are times that the Lord calls people to pray at different times. But when, when you pray, amen, and you, and you get a hold of heaven, and you get a hold of the hem of the garment of the Lord, and you touch God, I'm going to tell you there, there's going to be a sense in your mind and in your spirit when that prayer has accomplished what God intended for it to accomplish, and I, I want to, I want to, 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 uh, to present to you this morning the, the idea that you need to pray until you get that sense, Amen. Pray until the job is done. Pray until you get a release from the Lord, amen, that that you have touched. And I'm telling you, if you pray to that degree, you'll know when that feeling comes, amen. You'll know when there is that sense of release, amen. But again, one of the failures of the church is time spent In quality prayer. Amen. And again, if Jesus understood the necessity of time spent in prayer. And Him being God in flesh. How much more do you and I need to spend that time in prayer today? We need the help of God. We need the help of God. The ultimate expression of intercession was found in a garden that was called Gethsemane. Now I'm going. I read my text in Matthew, but I'm going to Luke's account, and, and I'm going to draw uh, at least one, one very important point uh, here about intercession, and that's all the time we'll probably have. But in Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, I, I wanna I want to read this account. That Luke says coming out, He went to the Mount of Olives as He was accustomed and His disciples also followed Him. I want you to notice first and foremost in this account that Luke said it was customary for the Lord to go to the Mount of Olives with the express reason of praying. He went to the Mount of Olives as He was accustomed and he and His disciples also Followed Him. When He came to the place, He said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. I want you to notice again what Jesus is saying. You need to pray that you may not enter into temptation. And He was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father... If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling on the ground. When he rose up from prayer and he came to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The one point that I want to make this morning is the fact that intercessory prayer is sometimes agonizing prayer. Amen. Intercessory prayer is sometimes agonizing prayer. Luke said in in verse number 44, And being in an agony... Somebody say agony. Being in an agony. He prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. There was something about the intensity of the need of prayer in the mind and the spirit of Jesus Christ at this particular incident that he became in an agony. Agony and he prayed more earnestly i noticed that that word agony has to do with a state of great mental and emotional grief and even anxiety if we look at what's being said here then jesus was in a state of great mental and emotional grief and maybe even anxiety at at what He was facing in the very near future. At the time of this prayer, Jesus was facing His passion as it is known. He was facing the mock trial. He was facing the fact that He was going to be betrayed by one of the very ones that He chose to be a disciple. He was in in anxiety because He was going to be hauled into Pilate's Hall. In a mock trial. And he was going to be accused falsely. And he was, going, he was going to have sentence passed upon him. To be crucified on a cross of crucifixion. And I'm going to tell you. In your flesh. In your mind. That would create anxiety in the minds of any man or woman that was facing this. And and He prayed. He prayed in agony. He prayed in that mental and emotional grief. He prayed in that state of distress. He prayed in that state of anxiety. And He prayed, Oh, Father, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from me let it be gone if there's some other way to accomplish what needs to be accomplished let it be done but if it's your will let this cup pass from me we know and Jesus knew that it was not going to be any other way because we know that he knew Again, the reason for His coming. He came to die. He came to be the sacrifice for sin. He came to be that, that, that blood offering that would be willingly offered up for the demands of a just God. But yet, in, in His humanity, there was great mental and emotional grief at what he was facing and and he and, and he even experienced that anxiety. A man so intercessory prayer is often agonizing prayer. It is prayer that's going to be taxing on your mind. It's prayer that will be taxing on your spirit. It's, tax, it's a prayer that will be taxing on your physical body. Because when he was in agony, Luke said he went beyond that and he prayed more earnestly than just being in agony and being in anxiety and emotional grief. But there are there came a greater intensity to his prayer, and he began to pray more earnestly. To the degree, Luke said, that his sweat were as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, I don't recall the condition that this is that this has been named by medical science, but medical science will tell you that. A human being can be in such agony and in such a state of emotional grief that, that blood does ooze through the pores of the skin. But it did more than that in the body of Jesus because Luke said His sweat were as great drops of blood and they were falling to the ground. It was to the degree... I want you to try to get into your mind's eye the earnestness of prayer that that Luke is witnessing here. That Luke is, it is maybe a witness to and seeing this. And, and it had such an impression upon Luke that he he recorded it in great detail. His sweat were as it was dra- drops of blood that was falling. To the ground amen but there was something in the mind and the spirit of christ that pushed him to that degree of prayer and and i tell you i tell you what i believe it was it he was beginning to feel the weight of the sin of the entire world as it began to press upon him physically spiritually and emotionally and the weight of that drove him him to the degree of prayer that he began to pray and the emotion that he began to experience. It was the burden of all of that that drove him to the prayer that he prayed. Oh, Father, if it's Your will, let this cup pass. If, there's a, if there is a prayer that You pray, that Paul talks about in, the, in, the, in his writings to Romans. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 7. The Amplified Bible says it like this. There's a groaning that's too deep for words. There's groanings that you don't understand. There's groanings that, that you can't utter. At just words. Let me ask you a question this morning. Have you ever prayed and, and you were praying, you know, I mean, it, it it really doesn't matter what you were praying for or about. Whether it was some person, some need, some circumstance, it really doesn't matter. But you're praying in your known language. You understand what you're praying or what you're saying. You, you understand. But there, but, but there it comes a point in that prayer that all of a sudden, That it seems that words that you understand are not adequate to express what you are sensing in your spirit. You ever prayed to that degree? Anybody? You you ever prayed until to the point that just the words that you were saying just wasn't getting the job done? That there needed to be a different level of prayer. That there need to be a greater intensity of prayer. And that's what Paul is saying to the church here in the book of Romans. There is a groaning... That's too deep for words. That there's an utterance that you don't understand. Amen. And you get to the place in your mind, in your spirit, that you that you don't understand. Because I'm telling you, there is something about your spirit. Your spirit can understand on a deeper level than your mind can even understand. And Paul again said, there is a level. There is a groaning That is too deep for words. I I just can't vocalize it. I, I can't put it in words that I understand. Paul is talking about a level of prayer and an intensity of praying that we all need to become reacquainted with. That intensity to where we have groanings That are too deep for words. You ever heard anybody? It's not too common anymore. But have you ever heard anybody praying? There was no words that were coming out of their mouths. It was nothing but groans. Just groans. That's all it was. Just groans. What, What is that? That's the intensity of prayer that Jesus gives us the example of. That's the intensity of prayer, amen, that goes beyond just the wish list that we give to the Lord. That's an intensity of prayer that goes beyond, amen, just vocalizing these things. And and once we're fresh out of ideas uh, of saying anything to the Lord, then we get up and go about our way. I say again today, in the hour that we live and what we're facing as a people of God in our nation and in our world we need to reacquaint ourselves with the level of the intensity of prayer that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8 there are times that we frequently need to get to that level of prayer where there is groaning that is simply too deep for words in this prayer in this level of prayer all mental faculties are bypassed and from inside of the prayer comes uncontrollable groaning that's what paul is saying it's uncontrollable groaning i talked to one man just recently and he says he said to me he said, that, that kind of prayer is the prayer that you, you find it impossible to pray on a daily basis. He said, because it's too taxing on the body. He said, when I get to that level of prayer, he said, the next day, he said, I'm sore all over. He said, my, my stomach muscles are, are sore. He said, my, my, oh, my entire body is sore can be sore when I get to that level of prayer. And, and the reason is is because that groaning that's too deep for words is not just taxing on you mentally and emotionally but it's taxing on the physical body because there's something on the inside of you that is that is coming out that you can't control it you you just you just have to be a vessel in the hands of God at that time you have to be a tool in the hands of the Lord And just let that groaning burst forth and let it come out of you. Amen. And you lose the mental faculties. Amen. Because again from inside comes uncontrollable groaning. What is that? I'll tell you. It is the Spirit of God that is literally praying through you. That's what we need in this day more than ever before. Can I tell you what's going to break the yoke of Mike Lawley? It's going to be the Spirit of God, literally praying through you on the behalf of that man. I'm going to tell you what's going to break the yoke of Mary Lawley, that seems to have absolutely no interest in the truth of God whatsoever. It's going to be the Spirit of God literally praying through you on behalf of that individual that gets the job done. See, the old prophet said it, and I, I wasn't going to read it, but, but I think I will this morning. The old prophet said it like this. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 66. Verses 5 through 8. He said, Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my name's sake, said, Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. But they shall be ashamed. The sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple. The voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a man child. Listen to what the Lord is saying through Isaiah. Isaiah, it is through 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 Isaiah, God is, is trying to help his people to understand there's some things that just don't happen. There's some things that are not normal, that are not natural. He said, Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. And he said in verse number eight, Who has heard such a thing? In other words, the Lord is saying, No woman gives birth without first being in labor. There is absolutely no woman that brings that delivers a man child before her pain comes. Now you women who have born children, you understand what God is saying through Isaiah. You that have born children, you know that you didn't deliver a child before the pains of contraction came. Amen? I remember... When my wife's son was born. He was our our firstborn. You know, and 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 we got to the hospital too late, you know, for them to do some things that they they needed to do. And I'm gonna tell you something. When those labor pains came, everybody on that floor knew she was in labor. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm sitting, this was before the days that you could go in with them and hold their hand and say, and say, okay, do this now. That was before those days. You, you weren't allowed in there. They wheeled her in and shut the doors and said, you go sit in there. And I'm going to tell you, sitting in there, I could hear her all the way back there. And God through Isaiah is saying this is not normal. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? The the rhetorical question is, is nobody has heard this. And then comes another question. Who has seen such things? The answer to that would be, Nobody. God asked the question, shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? The obvious answer is no. Then the Lord said, for as soon as Zion was in labor. Your King James Bible says, for as soon as Zion travailed. I looked up that word travail in the Hebrew, and it does mean to be in labor. For as soon as Zion was in labor. What happens when labor comes? There's pain there. What happens when, when labor hit, hits a woman who is expecting a child? Oh, there's an, there's an element of anxiety there. Oh, yes. There, there becomes stress of body. There becomes pain. The pain of labor. What is that pain of labor that God is saying as soon as Zion, which is a metaphor, an Old Testament metaphor for the church? What is that labor that the Lord is talking about through Isaiah? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. I'll tell you what that labor is. It's exactly what Paul was talking about in in Romans chapter 8. It was those groanings. It was those groanings that could not be uttered those groanings that were too deep for words in that labor in that time of travail a person one tends to lose all sense of time and what's happening around them everything around you it is doesn't matter everything the only thing that matters is this, at this particular time is somehow giving birth spiritually to what is deep within my spirit and in my soul because I'm in labor. I'm in labor. And when Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Only when, only in intercession is it possible to feel what Jesus felt in laying down His life to bring a church into the world. Do you understand the importance of that statement? If Jesus Christ had not laid down His life, there would not be a church today when he entered into that garden and he left his disciples and he went a stone's throw away and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy why was he being sorrowful and very heavy it was because of me my sin it was because of you and your sin and the sin of the entire world. And he knew in the will of God that this is what's going to be required to birth a church. So I would contend this morning that that his groaning and his sweating great drops of blood that fell to the ground was not only because of His impending crucifixion and death and the shame that He would bear. But I do believe in that garden, the Lord Jesus Christ began to have labor pains because of a church that He was getting ready to birth. So only in intercession... Is it possible to feel what Jesus felt in laying His life down to bring a church into this world? Only in intercession can one really feel His passionate love for dying humanity. This prayer, this degree of intensity and agony exceeds the boundaries of human compassion And reaches into the realm of divine love and burden for a lost world. And I say again as you stand this morning in closing. The only thing that's going to break the demonic oppression. On people that you know. And people that I know. Is to be willing to get into that place of agony. And be willing to experience labor pains. For when Zion is in labor, she brings forth her children. You know, what I heard of my wife when she was in the labor room, me sitting outside all by myself until... Until her family came in. Just able to think and be alone. What all of this means. They came in. Everything changed. They came in. The nurses are down there saying. If y'all don't quieten down. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And In my mind brother Thomas. I'm like. Get them to leave. I can do this better without them here. But, but with all that I heard going on behind those closed doors, you know, I could wonder why would she want to do that again? But she did. There came a point in time she's asking for another kid. And I'm thinking, you mean after all of that pain and all of that travail? Because essentially, she gave birth to that boy naturally. And I'm like, all of that pain, all of that travail, you would ask to do this again? Yes. Because there's something about the birth of that child. And after a period of time, and that body has time to heal because of the joy of that child, a mother will say, I want to do that again. I, I don't understand that. I've never born a child in the flesh. I've never experienced that pain. Brother Thomas, I've been told that the closest pain that a man could probably have to that that level of pain is a kidney stone. I've had a kidney stone and it'll make a big man like me curl up in a fetal position and cry like a little girl. And after all of that passed, and I'm thinking, thank God that's done and thank God that's over with. Brother Thomas, I've never asked God for another one. I promise you, and I never will. Why? Because I remember that pain. I remember what it was like. I remember telling the nurse in the emergency room, when she's got that little dumb question, on a scale of 1 to 10, what level is your pain right now? And my response to her, I'll never forget My pain right now is such if you don't get me some help and you don't get it quick, I'm going to tear this entire emergency room clean apart. She's like, oh! Ushered out. Came back and gave me a shot of morphine. Never asked for that pain again because there's no joy that's associated with that. But see... One place in Scripture talks about Jesus for the joy that was set before Him. He knew there was joy coming. And for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the pain. He endured the shame. He took it all upon Himself because He knew that there was coming a day that He would look back on that and say, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I suffered that agony. I'm glad I endured the shame and all of the pain. and Everything that's associated with it, I'm glad I did that. Because there's a church that I birthed in all of that pain and agony. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you ever have the joy of producing spiritual children, You look back at the pain and the agony and the groanings that Paul said are too deep for words. You look back at that and you say, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do that again. Because there's a Billy Kay that received the Holy Ghost two weeks ago and has the joy of the Lord in her today. And I'm going to tell you what, that brings me joy. That brings me joy. Seeing that birth and being part of that delivery brings me joy. And so now, now, you want to do it again? Oh, yes. Because there's a mic that needs to be born. And there's some complications in delivery. And so somebody needs to go to that place that is too deep for words and start bearing labor pains all over again. Because the Lord did say, when Zion is in labor, she brings forth her children. This doesn't happen without labor. Even the Lord said, Oh, you, you want to have children but no labor pains? The Lord says, Who's heard such a thing? It doesn't happen. And I'm telling you church, it doesn't happen in the church either. You don't bring forth spiritual children without pain and without the struggles of labor and that agony and that grief. And that anxiety, because when Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Every head bowed this morning. As Brother Tim begins to sing whatever is on his heart, I want us to pray. Because without this level of prayer, nothing else matters And I ask you a question this morning. Who's willing to go there? Who's willing to go there? Who's willing this morning to say I'll I'll endure that pain for a Mike? I'll endure that pain for a Mary? I'll endure that pain for a, a, a David that's not here this morning? I'll endure that pain that others may experience spiritual birth. Because the Lord said, without it, you don't have children. Without it, you don't bear. And I'm asking this morning as you pray, who's willing to have that pain today? Who's willing to go there this morning?
1: I go to war Oh, yeah! Oh yes, it's not flesh and blood I battle but prince of quality I'm fighting for my loved ones and my family so with my face before God go to war on my
0: knees. Oh yes. Who wants that this morning? Come on, listen to it again. go to war. Oh yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord.
1: It's not flesh and blood I've that home.